welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined again by Crystal Cave, formerly um, the founder of Poppy Row and now the product visionary. Uh, Crystal was also a guest on episode eight. If you missed that, that's a great one to go um, back and introduce you to a little bit of her background and story. But I'm excited to have Crystal back on the podcast. So welcome back to How Fitting, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. Awesome. You're actually the first guest to return to the podcast. So, oh, am I really? Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So for those listening who might not have listened to the previous episode you were on, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my, obviously I'm Crystal Cave and I had like, if you listen or haven't listened to the previous podcast, I started a brand called Poppy Row which was a size inclusive um, and sustainable apparel brand of modular mix and match uh, pieces made in Los Angeles. I um, officially launched it about five years ago in 2018 through a Kickstarter. Previously to that, I had uh, worked as a celebrity stylist and also personal stylist. I have an award-winning online style school, which started out as the not-so-skinny style school um, before deciding to kind of sunset Poppy Row, last year we did relaunch it under the Poppy Row brand as Poppy Row Style School. Um, and before I became an award-winning, uh, I guess, like course creator with that mm-hmm. school, um, I had done celebrity styling. So I worked on teams in Hollywood and LA for a lot of like beauty, financial brands, Um and a lot of celebrities that are pretty cool, uh, like Taylor Swift is probably the biggest one that I worked on. Uh, I guess it's over 10 years ago now, which makes me feel like a little old. Sometimes <laughs> I think about it, like, oh, it's been over a decade since I've done that. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up in retail. My grandfather started a, a national retail chain. And so Poppy Row was a little bit in his honor. I had moved to Los An- back to Los Angeles to start the apparel brand. And he passed away a couple months into me living there. Mm. So really creating the brand ended up being, and I don't know how much I actually talked about this on the podcast previously. I can't remember, but, um, you know, Poppy is a woman who's both beautiful and intelligent. And my grandfather always encouraged that in me. Um, and I think a lot of initially building the brand was a way that I was really able to move forward in what was very immense grief because he was a big figurehead in our family. And I always wanted to work with the family company growing Mm -hmm. up. So he was definitely like, I really admired him, especially on a professional level with what he had done and his life and what he created and getting to witness that as a, a child was actually like so amazing. Um, And so, yeah, I grew up like, so I have actually been helping them create and merchandise products since I was like, probably able to sit in his (laughs) executive (laughs) chair in his like corner suite. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's the long story, not so short, I suppose, on (laughs) who who I am and what my background is. And I mean, I, I have a master's from Syracuse in 
advertising and spent some of my early few years out of grad school um, working in advertising and marketing in New York City on both Madison Avenue and with like top real estate developers as well. I like even got to be in the New York Times and uh, I was on Million Dollar Listing New York, the first ever episode. So I've been on a few, at least to me, fun press things and throughout the process of Poppy Row, which may have evolved since we last spoke, uh, we've had over, I've had over a billion page views on the press that I've received as well. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's really fun. And we've won some awards, uh, with Poppy Row. We got a recognition in the pandemic for LUKs. Uh, we were like number 87 of like the top independent brands to, watch during the pandemic. And then last year in 2022, at the beginning of the year, um, which this meant a lot to me because it was with my friend, Mary, who we launched our brands right around the same time through the incubator we went through, we met uh, previous to that. And uh, we won a uh, self magazine, best of athleisure for our Sage uh, short. And uh, that was a really awesome honor. And it's even better when you get to do it with a friend. So. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So one thing that like stood out hearing your your background and your story again is just like how like you have experience in so many you know maybe different areas of style and fashion and yes. you know the kind of supporting industries around that, but also then kind of how your career has like evolved and shifted through that to kind yeah. of um you know become what it is today, which you know, sometimes you hear these stories of brands where, you know, it's very much, very much linear. Like I always knew I wanted to do this and I made it happen and it seems so easy, but I think, um, what's really cool hearing your story is that like, you, you were kind of like circling around what you do now for like a long time before it kind of like fleshed out what that looked like for your, your own business. And, and how like it's changed over the years. Um, So I do want to ask a little bit more um, about kind of Poppy Row and yeah, how, what was it like for those five years? Did you have a like really clear plan when you started of what you wanted it to be? Well, I had a plan that was maybe a little uh, overly ambitious because when you grow up with your, like, I mean, in college, like my mom, literally gave me a lecture the other day that I overshare stuff, but this is literally public information. So my grandfather started a company that when I was in college, they were doing $1.5 billion in annual sales. And so when you grow up with a company that that's so big, it can often feel like, okay, I need to do this or something more in order to make my life, I guess, worthwhile, which is maybe not the most relatable thing I've ever said in my life, but I think oftentimes how we grow up can, like, I mean, it, how many therapists talk about this, but it truly can influence how you see the world. And because I saw my grandfather, my poppy as this kind of like epitome of success and I guess happiness, I, my whole life have always wanted something similar because I did have a wonderful life growing up. It was obviously privileged, but I also feel like my family instilled a very grounded sense into me as far as like, you know, being hardworking and being uh, philanthropic. And uh, I think, I think for me, it's always given me what I like to think is a (laughs) well-rounded 
mm-hmm. nature of everything. So when I went into Poppy Row, I was like, this is my billion dollar brand. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. my plan, my vision, I suppose, was to have some version of like a QVC empire, I felt at the end of the day. Gotcha. And so I, I have gone in that direction with pitching and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I really wanted something big that could impact and have impact on millions of lives. And it wasn't even about the like billion dollar empire to me. Of course, like there is a lifestyle element that I won't lie about. I think at the time I was like, okay, I need to do that. But there's also the reality <laughs> of things too. And um, so I think sometimes if I'm being perfectly honest, which I probably haven't even discussed this with my therapist, but I maybe I should, um, you know, I definitely went into it with like this big overwhelming plan, but this could also be attributed to my ADHD, which I was diagnosed with last year, which is where then my plan started to shift with everything um, and kind of what I wanted for my life changed. But going into Poppy Row, I was like, okay, first of all, I was scared. I was like, are people even going to validate this idea? But once we did quite well in our Kickstarter, I was like, okay, well, with the right backing and money behind this, like we could turn this into something. And our initial pieces were just the beginning. I wanted to end up creating more pieces that were maybe a little bit more reflective of my true style, which is a little more like preppy, like I call it edgy prep. And so that's kind of where I was planning to take things. We actually have like a bunch of pieces I have developed that we didn't end up releasing because of the shift I've decided to make kind of in the business. But yeah, I mean, like there was a plan. I'm a big planner. (laughs) I didn't know how long it'd take to get this like supposedly delusional billion dollar empire. It would have been good if I was like, okay, maybe first step is make a hundred thousand dollars. Then, you know, half of like a quarter, half a million, Mm -hmm. a million dollars. But my brain really went super big on it, which is just, I mean, that's like the visionary part of me, I think too. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, and then going into it, I, I, I did have like plans that I would put together Um, And that I have put together each year for like our financial growth. And once we started getting data, it was easier to put like more realistic numbers and plans together, um, kind of dependent on what my goals were and everything like that. So is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being like honest about kind of the plan. And that's, you know, part of why in you know, wanted to have you back on the podcast is, yeah, I I feel like everybody celebrates kind of the initial, like, I'm going to launch this business. And like, this is my plan. And everyone's like, yeah, go do it. And then there's less of less talk or less like celebration or, you know, honesty around like, what is the realities of that? And like how that might shift throughout the years. And when that's a good thing for your life or like the vision you have for your company, whether that's, you know, going to be the same company or something different, but that there's not, um, there, I think can often be, you know, like there's a big celebration around like launching a business um, or launching an idea and there's less of the celebration or kind of the, you know, maybe there's like a quick announcement of, Hey, we're doing something different or we're shifting or we're taking a step back or we're closing, but there isn't as much of the like rallying around that and like celebrating that, like that was a realization of like a shift that you you needed to make for yourself or for the business 
that can be equally good as when you, you know, this decision to start it, you know? So thanks for your honesty about, you know, sharing this. And, you know, it can be a very, I think, vulnerable and confusing time, like going through transitions as well. Um, So not everybody wants to talk about it, but I think there can be like a lot of, I think there'll be, you know, quite a number of people who will really resonate with your story and hearing like, okay, somebody else like thinks through, you know, big plans like this and maybe they don't work out or maybe they realize that wasn't what they actually wanted. Um, And how that's a, that's a good thing. And like, people are not alone in that kind of transition or experience. Oh, for sure. And you know what you were saying something that jogged something in my memory that I want to share with people too, because, you know, I, I will invest in my business and I'm in the fortunate position where I've been able to do that. And I have hired some really awesome coaches over the years. And what was really interesting, and I've been reflecting on this a lot recently too, is, you know, like the reality is when you start an apparel brand, it may not be paying your bills. Like if you live in a major city, like it could be hard to scrape by, like you need additional sources of income. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think they say the average, what is it? The average millionaire has like six income streams or something like that. Um, So, I mean, like it is very realistic that like those people that you admire anyways, that maybe you're looking up to in business have multiple income streams to sustain them. And I remember talking to a coach and I was like, look, I kind of want to pivot things. And, um, I want to have some of the pieces be just, I want the overall, like I wanted the overall brand. This was, these were conversations I was having like a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be more a reflection of my true style, which are like fun, kind of like, like edgy prep prints (laughs) is what I call them. And like, you know, like houndstooth, but like fun mixes of things and less basics. Cause like, mm. I'm not basic and I use basics within my style, but I just felt so stuck in that for a while because I was like not hitting the sales goals that I initially thought we would. And I had coaches. It's interesting. Cause like the advice was like, Oh, well you can go back and you can do st- like go and do styling. Like you can do some high-end packages like I used to do. And it was interesting because I was not the same person that used to do that as well. And Mm -hmm. so I kept like really highly entertaining that because I was, you know, taking the advice of people instead of looking at myself, I think, and really reflecting on like, what do I really want? And Mm -hmm. at the time I, I didn't realize that I've had ADHD my whole life. Last year I was diagnosed with that with, um, after sustaining a concussion, um, because mm-hmm. the ironic, ironic, uh, and just the irony just it's just so ironic. The irony really does not surpass me, given the fact that like the big celebrity client that I worked with was Taylor Swift. Um, I was dancing in my apartment and danced into a wall to Taylor Swift. We are never getting oh, back no. together. And um I don't remember six to eight hours of my life. And I didn't understand, like, this was like right before we were launching the Poppy Rose Style School and all this stuff. Like, this was part of what the vision was at the time was to bring back the style school more consistently, have it under the Poppy Row brand. I saw Poppy Row as the overarching brand. And then I get, I like get into this concussion on Friday, June 3rd, 2022. 
uh, the day that shall live in infamy. And three days later, I'm like, wow, this is like the worst hangover I've ever had. Like I've never had a hangover after like a drink or two. That's bizarre. Um, and then ended up seeing a like splotch of my makeup on the wall where my head hurt from this, what I thought might be a hangover. And I thought it was weird. I blacked out so much. Like it didn't make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I started to put together that I had danced into this wall. And so like, obviously like memories came back at, you know, the initial phases, I was like a little confused as to what was going on. And so I went and got like a treatment from someone to help with concussions because I have had a previous concussion, actually two previous concussions, which were so minor. Um, mm-hmm. One actually happened while I was creating Poppy Row. Um, the factory's doors of the elevator closed on me <laughs> and messed up. Like they squeezed on the sides of my body um, because the the wheel of the cart that we were bringing out our last um pieces from production got stuck and then I got stuck behind the cart mm-hmm. and then this was like an older building and like this is definitely a lawsuit waiting to happen for them I believe but um that was my second concussion I had just a few years ago prior to this concussion but this concussion was not the same I got treatment like I'd had before it helped initially but then I still was having a lot of issues so I ended up going to the Amen clinic in New York I had to spend the summer with my family because they ended up sending me to this specialist that does Atlas orthogonal. Um, he works with a lot of NFL players. Cause basically what I did was like, I hit myself, like I was a, you know, high impact sports, <laughs> like a <laughs> little bit. And my head, I actually believe may have been hit twice. Um, the back of my head, when I went to get help, I hit it on a sign in my building that was broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I brought the sign down because I was like, oops, I broke this. And then I ended up finding out that that door number, my friends lived there and uh, they said it had been broken <laughs> since they had moved in. And so like all these pieces started to come together of like what had happened. And then through that process, like, I guess essentially all the pieces of my life and understanding how I was running my business and living in my life kind of came together. And I really had to start to rebuild everything mm-hmm. once fall came. And so part of that was actually the plan initially was to actually relaunch Poppy Row, but that's, uh, that's not what I decided to do in the end with everything, but. Yeah. So it seems like there was a lot of kind of that led to, um, your decision and, and what you did decide to do. Um, but before we get to that, so I do want to talk a little bit um, more about so like while you were running Poppy Row and initially like you, you had this plan and yeah. then over five years like I'm sure like the plan got updated so yes. or um so how did the the business like the goal for your business or even kind of your role in the business change over the five years that you were running Poppy Row? Yeah, that's a great question. Let me think about this. And I may think out loud a little bit. This is a perfect mm-hmm. venue on a podcast, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think initially I was like, I'm going to have a team with everything. And I found I had cool, awesome people on my team that I think were competent, but it was also very hard because these people did not necessarily come from, I'll say, a fashion background, even though maybe they liked fashion or whatever. And a lot of them came more from the coaching realm, which I was in. Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of learning together. Right. But also 
my plan was to have a whole team. And so I think my vision went from like planning to have a whole team to kind of taking on more of the responsibilities, even though like from the beginning, I was like involved in different areas. I am my poppy's granddaughter. He was very much like that in his business. And I think you do need to be. Um, But then I started trying to get, I think for me, from a financial perspective, I've also started getting, I started tightening things up. Right. Cause like maybe initially you're like, oh, I have a little bit more runway or whatever. Like I'm going to invest in these things. And I wasn't seeing the ROI from having certain people on board that were helping and maybe an admin or back end capacity. And it would take people a really long time to do things that I'm like, I actually think I could do this quicker myself, even mm-hmm. though this should be this person's core competency. And so I had, I started to evolve and get. I don't want to call it more insular, but I, I got a lot more lean. Um, I hired a couple of summer interns a few years ago. Uh, I think it would have been 2019 and they were amazing. Like they came in and actually helped me with some of the marketing, which is an area I love, but that's like the majority of what you really will do with Spend your time doing. Yeah. yeah. And I have a master's in advertising. Like, as I mentioned, I worked in advertising. Like I worked for Hasbro's agency and I've worked with all these like national brands over the years, like in my early career. And so I had experience in marketing and loved marketing. And so it was funny because when I think about it, I was like, I started creating kind of my own mini marketing agency. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's one thing, like I love marketing strategy and then I've always been able to like actually execute. And I do have always felt that having a team and me building my team has actually helped me actually dream, but then also do with everything and actually be able to execute on these Mm -hmm. visions and strategies that I had. So I started just getting a little more lean and I was willing to like train, you know, the next generation, even though I guess they were probably still my generation. They are millennials. If I think about Mm -hmm. it, the younger part of my generation. And that was great and super helpful. And then I, I did end up hiring one of the, the women later on, especially during the pandemic to help with doing our social media consistently and basically helping in a more admin capacity, which worked for her because she was working retail while in college. Right. And so, um, and I already had had this summer where we worked in person. So we, we knew how to work together. And so then we were able to work remotely during the pandemic while I was, had moved back to New York right before the pandemic to help my grandmother temporarily after she had a hip break. And I was kind of wanting a break from LA at that point Mm -hmm. and wanting to maybe discover where I was supposed to be next. So I love my grandmother, obviously. And wanted to help. And I was like, well, I can work from anywhere. So I moved back at the end of 2019 and then the pandemic happened. So I think I'd be remiss to say my role didn't shift also because of what I was experiencing in my personal life as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, I think we often forget to acknowledge that as business owners, like it's a separate thing, but we are whole human beings and both the business and personal are a part of us being able to show up, especially when it has to be like a self-directed venture. You're not like clocking in. Yeah. Totally. It's like nine to five. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if I'm going to be really honest, I thought it would be good prep because I like wanted to have kids. It'd be good to learn how to take care of someone. 
this was someone I cared about. My grandmother wasn't like losing it mentally. Like it was a physical thing. And mm -hmm. I had overcome my own uh, journey with fibromyalgia just a year prior. And so I felt in good health where I was also able to support someone else. It was definitely very overwhelming. And I was still trying to run the business while doing this. And so how things kind of ended up evolving is as basically the full-time caregiver for my grandmother. My mom was helping at first and then she ended up like it, things were taking longer. And so after like three months, she ended up moving back out of my grandmother's house and like, you know, got to go live with my dad where she should be. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, around the time the pandemic really started, I had this renter who had just left my apartment in Los Angeles. I was supposed to go to LA. My mom had just left, but I decided I was going to stay on a couple months longer. And so that was literally when it's like, oh, we're going to have a two week shutdown. Like it's just going to be bump. Like we're going to like slow the spread and all that. Like, uh, you know, all the rhetoric we had for what ended up being like two years, it feels like. And even now, yeah, right. Um, so I was like, okay. And I remember my grandmother at the time as she was like, we'll do what we need to. And so, you know, I tried to do, see what I could organize with my apartment back in LA. I had signed a two year lease just the year prior. And so <laughs> I had thought that maybe I'd go back and then three months at a time would go out and test different cities because I started to, instead of fulfilling everything from my apartment, I ended up, I had put stuff before I left to help my grandmother in a storage unit. And then I had, she is the most amazing woman, Edith. She is, was initially my housekeeper, but then I started hiring her in person to help with like personal assistance stuff. And she would fulfill things while I traveled. Mm. And so I had that in a storage unit in LA. She would go like a couple of times a week and like check out my apartment and fulfill stuff, which also ended up being a blessing for her in the pandemic because I could give her a little extra cash when things had gotten really crazy in Los Angeles. And then after a few months, when I realized I wasn't going back, I ended up, she sent all my stuff from LA, including all our inventory on a moving truck back to upstate New York. And I moved it into my grandmother's basement, which wow. as basement goes, it wasn't in law. Like it was set up I think where you could have your, like, you could have your own entrance. I would take my dog to walk out of those, the doors down there and stuff. And like, mm -hmm. I don't want to give too many details because she still lives there and I don't want someone to like break into this woman's home, but it is highly secured. So mm -hmm. uh, don't do it. Uh, you will get caught. <laughs> but I also, you know, I turned part of the basement that was unfinished into a stock room that like during the pandemic, my dad who has like 30 plus years in logistics and helped, uh, he, I mean, he's the son-in-law and he helped with my family's company, uh, logistics for so many years. He was the operation manager of logistics. And then for the last 10 ish years had his own freight brokering company and also did real estate investment. So he's great with logistics and he literally came over. We were building shelves. Like there was something really special about it that where I went from like being essentially across the country in Los Angeles, starting this brand by myself, like my family was supportive. They came out for the launch party. Even my aunt and her husband and kids came out too. like, you know, my cousins were there. It was wonderful. Like my family has been wonderfully supportive with everything. Um, and 
are for some of my first customers and repeat customers and buy things for their friends. Like I'm so grateful for it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was still alone in Los Angeles. And so I had to create this team. I know a lot of times people don't have a family, so they do have to create that family around them. And so I, that's kind of what I created was my own little ecosystem, but then it was so wonderful to come home and have family help with things. Like even my sister who has two young kids, it's, I can't imagine how overwhelming that is. Cause I don't have children. A dog is sometimes enough for me, <laughs> but I mean, she was like, she came over and helped me with stuff around the inventory to help me set up shelves. My dad came in and like, we set up a whole lighting thing. He had figured out where I could buy these extra shelves. So I turned it like literally part of my grandmother's house was turned into a mini warehouse mm-hmm. in about in 2020. Mm-hmm. And so it, it went from this, I guess, hired help to like a little bit more, okay, let me go get some interns. And then I still had like a business coach at the time to so then we're in the pandemic and it felt like there's a part of me, I, there was always a story my mom would tell about when my grandfather first started his company and hopefully she's okay with me sharing this, but her and her siblings. And I think this was my poppy's lazy way to like, not have to clean up his truck at the end of the day. Cause he started out <laughs> as a record wholesaler and they, he would have them, I think it was like rubber bands or something they would have around records. And so he would make a competition where they would go and who could ever get the most rubber bands would win. I don't know what the prize was, honestly, <laughs> they win something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of felt like that to me, like my mom in the early days, I think helped open up some of the first stores for the, the chain, which ended up having thousands of stores at one point. And although we've since sold the company actually right in 2020 before the pandemic and it's a Canadian private company owns it now. I, it like the company evolved from this like few store venture that originally had started out with a few business partners. My grandfather bought out within a couple of years, they were wholesaler, like they wholesaled records to then doing a chain. And I don't know, there was something about three years ago in the pandemic that was so wonderful to have my family's like actual physical support Mm -hmm. and reminded me of like the early days of what I'd hear with my, my poppy's company and in a different capacity, obviously, like he wasn't Mm -hmm. creating a product, but there was this like down home, like Mm -hmm. family core that felt so supportive and beautiful and I love Albany, New York, but ultimately I think I knew in my heart, like it wasn't my forever place, but it was a good temporary place while we were being traumatized essentially by the pandemic. And I will say clearly the support worked because in that year alone, I tripled the previous year's revenue. I did get smart with things. We did really well with selling masks. I was like, I really want like a comfortable mask and everything like before I like, I literally, we got a picture of them the day before New York decided on the mask mandate. And so I pretty much sold out just from my, my aunt, like I think posted in one of those neighborhood type groups mm-hmm. and everything. And like, you have the person here or there that because of the whole mask thing, we got like a weird review of like, these are sloppy masks. And I was like, cause she didn't like, she couldn't adjust them. And I was mm-hmm. like, that is literally the point was that you couldn't adjust. Like it wasn't loose on your face. It was the style of it right at the time though obviously our mask stuff has evolved and so 
I think having that family support really did allow me a little less stress to focus on just the marketing versus like everyday ruminating. I'm like, okay, how am I going to pay my rent? Blah, blah, blah. Like I was literally living at my grandmother's house in her basement. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and that was not the plan of yeah. course from the beginning. And it ended up, it was wonderful. And then also very stressful at the same time, because I was a 30 something woman, a single woman with my grandmother who I get along with really well. And I joked, we were like gray gardens, Everybody <laughs> knows that reference, but mm-hmm. I mean, like that was also a terrifying fact to think about at the same time, because I was a 30 something year old woman, a young woman that like should be out living a single person's life. And for me, I was living that of an 80, like, well, she just turned 80 last year, but like a nearly 80 year old of a retired person. Right. Mm-hmm. And also then trying to like run my business. And then I was also mentoring. And so I I basically had three jobs at yeah. once. And I think a lot of times, even like mothers, they take on the majority generally of household tasks and everything. And so a lot of times, like I see this with my friends, family members who are specifically even stay-at-home moms, but also working moms have to come home and they have a whole extra burden. And then we saw this happen in the pandemic where it was just exacerbated through the dynamic of our stay-at-home, I guess we'll call it shift, where a Mm -hmm. lot of women are leaving the workforce. So I consider what I did for my grandmother, even though it was essentially unpaid, a job at that time, right? I was mm-hmm. a caregiver. Um, I probably should have taken the New York, I think there's a New York State caregiver credit I probably should have taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also, um, I ended up working as the director of mentorship two years ago in 2021 with Factory 45. It was wonderful to work with Shannon after being a mentor and having gone through that incubator. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started to want to focus more fully on Poppy Row again. And I will say like the mentoring aspect was amazing for me because I am a trained life coach. I forgot to say that in, in, in the beginning, but I did get my coaching certification through inner glow circle. I think it was, Oh, wow. Like maybe seven or eight years ago now. Um, so it was earlier on when I had started the style school, I realized I wanted to support women in a deeper way. And I had gone through coaching myself and it was honestly, I felt like a part of my soul actually lit up when I did the mentoring. It was a part of myself that with the brand, I wasn't getting on a day-to-day basis per se. Mm-hmm. I am an extrovert. I love being of service to other humans. And I also have a strategic mind. So I think this also goes back to like the business coaches I started working with around that time who have known me for the last decade and are wonderful, um, you know, and people on that team as well specifically were like, oh yeah, well you could just supplement your income by doing styling jobs. And that's what I did when I was like 23, 24. And Mm -hmm. it was something that had been a hobby that became my business, which is always an interesting transition. Sometimes that's the perfect way to make your dream career. And sometimes a hobby should just be a hobby. Yeah, totally. Enjoy doing, right? And Mm -hmm. for me, I when I look at it and what I has been reflected to me over the years is I have 
a lot of great ideas and I have a very strategic creative business mind. And I did want win a dreamer and doer award in college in grad school. I went over to the business school at Syracuse from the, the communication school I was in and did this business plan competition. And I, I had, because of my fibromyalgia, I had found out I had like a, possibly a bunch of food intolerances. So I was eating in a very specific way and in upstate New York in like the, you know, in 2009 was very difficult. I was having to go to different stores. I basically had the idea for Thrive Market, uh, of what is now Thrive Market. Mm -hmm. And I didn't win the business plan, but I did win the competition, uh, like an award through the competition called the Dreamer and Doer Award. And so I think if I even look back, you know, now 14 years ago, and prior to that, I've always been someone, and this is why I went into marketing and why I studied it and loved it was because you could take data and use it with creative thinking. And I guess also my intuition and my visionary brain and actually create something tangible out of it. I've always been very artistic. And when I was younger, when I was 13, I had a plan to go to like RISD and become a fashion designer, but decided to go to business school instead. And sometimes I regretted that, but I also think that we get so focused on the artistry and I, a lot of people I see coming out of design schools and especially like those I've mentored are amazing creative brains, right? Like they're, they're their own version of a visionary as a designer, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to run a business and you really need to know how to run a business in order to have your designs be seen and be successful and make money and be able to pay your bills and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know a lot of times you'll see designers maybe work for a brand and then have their own label. That's not uncommon. I mean, I think of like Mark Jacobs is mm-hmm. one of the ones that comes to mind with that. But what I realized, and I think this was also like, my grandfather was actually friends with Mickey Drexler. I got to talk with him. He's the former CEO of J. Crew, and now I think invests in a few different uh, retail startups. But I talked to him in 2009 and I was like, I kind of want to be a brand manager. And that's why I actually enrolled in this business plan competition, because he told me him as the CEO, he was really the brand manager. And so I figured at the time I would do this startup because it was something that I felt like could be easily able to get off the ground. And then after that, I could start my own apparel brand or some sort of brand. Like I actually have never talked about this before. Cause I kind of forgot about it, <laughs> but that was really the plan at the time inspired by Mickey Drexler, who like took a whole hour or something out of his probably insanely busy schedule running J crew at the time to talk to me like a little know nothing 22 year old who just happened to be like the granddaughter of one of his retail friends. Right. Um, And I'm actually forever grateful for that because I think that inspired a lot of things. It may have also inspired some of my delusion going into Poppy Row, but no, like you, it's not a bad thing to be a dreamer either. Yeah, no. And, and from, from your story, like a few things kind of stand out, if I can like maybe summarize and you can tell me if I um, understood correctly, but um, like, I think one thing that stood out is like the, the piece of what we see as success and whether that actually is success or like feels like success if we get there. So it's like in your mind, you had an idea of, um, like success is having a billion dollar company and, you know, doing, you know, having a team and, um, 
you know, eventually being a fashion designer. But then when you had started this business and like reality kind of set in, in in some ways, you realize, okay, this is maybe not the life I want. And then realize like, okay, I'm, I'm more fulfilled with yeah. kind of the strategic and the creative aspects of marketing with the mentorship opportunities with the, you know, even being surrounded by family and having that opportunity. It's like, okay, you know, the the kind of big definition of like you're gonna make it big and be a millionaire success story um looks very different from like living in your grandma's basement being surrounded by family and you know selling masks during a pandemic but like for you at the time and I think for so many other people it's like some of those maybe less glamorous um, moments are actually like feel more successful or fulfilling or like this is the this is where I want to be in my day-to-day life in the impact that I'm having even if it's not that big visionary dream that you thought success you wanted you know to look like but like success doesn't have to be that yeah like I actually feel emotional over here because I actually was thinking about like I love my family so much. And it was so wonderful to see like my nephew Carter, like I was able to use this picture on the website and like, see even just my family, like have the masks and know that I could be helpful with mm-hmm. my skill set, Right. And then also they were so supportive of things. Like I was literally, my family and I have pictures of us like in my childhood home. I went over to my parents' house and we like packed all the masks before we, I fulfilled them. And we'd like gotten them in from California. <laughs> right? Like where Mm -hmm. we were manufacturing. And, um, then I like, I keep having this visual of my nephew Carter, who is like going to be seven in a few months, which blows my mind. And, you know, he's this little toddler and he had one of our child masks on, which like is horrible to think about kids and (laughs) all that. Mm -hmm. I had to go through that because it's a weird way to grow up. Like we were very free as children in comparison, at least as far as like our faces were probably concerned. Mm -hmm. But like him doing that or him like coming down to the basement. And I think like, for me, I grew up with that too. I grew up like going and selling Girl Scout cookies at mm-hmm. our headquarters. And I mean, of course it was helpful to be one of our top cookie salespeople in my <laughs> Girl Scout troop. Um, of course, <laughs> I was one of the top ones because that's just me and I am good at sales, but I also, you know, it was so fun because I could go in and I would see people, my family have these different roles in the company. And this was, I mean, it wasn't a small company. We, I mean, at least in the corporate headquarters, I know there were at least hundreds of employees and Mm -hmm. we had thousands across the country and all the stores. And I got such an up close view of things as a kid. I mean, mind you, the company was like 30 ish years old or 20, 30 years old by the time I could probably really remember. Mm-hmm. some things but it was this wonderful aspect where I'm like oh my niece and nephew both were able to like witness this at a very young age of like someone doing like this hustle in a from a basement of their mm-hmm. great grandmothers right like and they would come over and they would help with things and it was fun <laughs> like it was kind of fun yeah um, and there was this like there was this beautiful aspect of it too that it was like that was not the original plan. So yeah, thank you for like, I don't know. I love being emotional because it's like, it was meaningful to me at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, even though like at during the process, I was probably very hard on myself. 
I mean, like, look, we also had celebrities promoting our stuff. I worked with influencers during the time, like my big, like 90s girl dream came true when Tori Spelling promoted our summer line in the middle of the pandemic. And she was like holding our gray leopard print romper, like two piece romper. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was awesome. This is like in the two years ago. Mm-hmm. And as we were like, if you chose to get vaccinated, we're getting vaccinated, maybe like kind of returning to a bit of resent like regular life, depending on where in the country you were. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you were in Florida, you had a little bit more freedom than I did in New York or my friends did in California. And even here where I now live in Portland, Oregon, but honestly, like it was so cool. And then I'm literally like getting these videos from the person in LA and I'm literally with Tori spelling and I'm like on the basement floor, (laughs) my grandmother's home, like taking photos for Instagram for our collection to release. Like it just it was such like, it was fun at the time. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think then I maybe got a little less into like being so tight on the bottom line of everything because I had a little less pressure to like pay an expensive city rent as mm-hmm. well. But also it did allow me to kind of shift and introduce our first prints and introduce a, some additional products that maybe I wouldn't have done otherwise, but really did help us expand the brand and increase our revenue that year and be able to, I think it was at least triple it that year. Mm-hmm. And then the next year I doubled the income. And part of that is with some consulting that I did mm-hmm. as well, but still <laughs> that was the overall business. Yeah. It was part of pieces of the pie or pieces of the puzzle in that case, I suppose too. Mm-hmm. So I know like eventually you did decide, I think, was it like last fall or like early this year, um, decide to close Poppy Road, the brand and kind of shift your efforts um, in a slightly different direction. Can yeah. So can you talk a little bit about like, yeah, what kind of went into, you know, not, what? I mean, we <laughs> talked to kind of the background of like leading up to that, but like. Yeah. What kind of surrounded actually making that decision? Were you worried about it? Like kind of what was the response when you announced um, that you were, you know, closing the Poppy Row brand? Yeah. Well, obviously I talked about the concussion, so I don't need to relive that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I will say when I came back from having the concussion and I was in New York for the summer, I came back in September and I was still not doing well, but I was like, okay, I need to like figure out getting back. Like I need to work. Like I need to bring in an income. I was, I did nothing for a few months, even in the past when I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like, like lean back a little bit on Poppy Bro stuff. I'd be like focusing on mentoring stuff or, you know, other things that would provide some sort of income. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, I did absolutely nothing. Like I couldn't, I couldn't function. And so I still had to get some treatment here. And in that process, I also uh, had found out that my diabetes that I had been diagnosed with the week before I started, I launched our Kickstarter actually Mm -hmm. five years ago, I found I had diabetes and it was being mismanaged by my doctor back in New York, unfortunately. And so when I came back here, I had to, I literally like, was like, I'm going to have like a new fresh chapter. I'll like heal and everything. And then this happened and I had to completely redo my life. I had what I called like a very dark night of the soul in the fall. And 
I mean, I was honestly questioning like if my life was even worth living anymore, mm-hmm. if I'm really honest. And I was seeing someone at the time who was actually like six months sober and they had uh, decided to become Catholic and I had gone to Catholic school and my freshman year of high school before I went to and like a more, you know, very not religious <laughs> high school after that. Um, and both wonderful experiences, obviously very different, but I almost at the time converted to Catholicism. And I know like, hopefully my talk of religion will not turn some people off, but will make you understand my journey to where I am now. Mm-hmm. But this person I met and, uh, was a super wonderful person. And, you know, people always come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime, at least at this point, we're still friends, but I think this guy came into my life for at least a reason. And that was, he started converting to Catholicism and I started looking at the religion and realized that over the years I've been trying to find, I've done like Christian spirituality, been in kind of like the woo personal development side of the world. And, uh, I had been trying to find a church, honestly, that was in alignment with me that like I was raised Protestant. So I was really raised with like a Christian foundation. And so around this time I come back and I'm like having this dark night of the soul. I prayed to God like really seriously. Cause I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I feel like I have no hope right now. And I always prayed to God and felt like I could talk to him. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was like super serious. And so I had like a couple conditions and I was like, if these happen, one of which was to get my diabetic stuff under control quickly um, and also have the like fortitude to do it because I had to make some major changes with my dietary things, like my lifestyle. I had moved to Portland a year prior and I mean, I was definitely going out to wine country a lot. I was trying to make friends and this is a town that is very much a social drinking town. And that was not good when you had diabetes and all this stuff. Right. And so it was, honestly so easy I prayed to God and he made it super easy fulfilled my wishes and I was like please help me with this it was like literally was like within a week or so things got even super under control like I cut my glucose numbers in half which was big because they were like 450 which is not healthy your glucose over 100 is considered pre-diabetic I believe if I'm quoting that correctly and so I was still not, I'm still diabetic, but that was like without any, uh, doctor medical intervention really at that point. And that was like the number I got cut in half by the time I was able to go to a diabetic doctor the next week. Now my ADHD brain is like, wow, I'm oversharing here with these, this information, but my details, I think feel important to me because it was like all these puzzle pieces that led to what ended up being my decision. And so also during that time, I decided to find a therapist that I could get that could help with my ADHD that I had been diagnosed with in the process of the concussion treatment and everything last summer. When I went to the amen clinic, they scanned my brain. Don't get on me if you don't like them. Some people don't, but they have been helpful to basically everybody I know and to myself. And allowed me to be able to make natural changes instead of, uh, putting myself on Adderall or any sort of medication supplements, which I think some people really need, but I was able to make, uh, more cognitive behavioral changes that were very helpful. And 
start to make them in the comfort of my family's home in upstate New York last summer while I let my brain also heal. And so I was giving myself a lot of grace up until everything. And then I had this dark night of the soul with like feeling so sick suddenly when I came back here after a few weeks and I had this prayer to God and he delivered on the things. And I said, I'd go back to church. And I was specific that I said, I'd go explore the Catholic church. Cause I was seeing this person at the time. And I had started researching the process he was going through with uh, what's called OCIA, which is um, the order of Christian initiation for adults. And mm-hmm. I um, low key did it on my own, but it was, I was able to get connected to things through my own network. <clears throat> the therapist I had started working with at the time, I still work with her. She's amazing. Uh, said that on the hero's journey, when the the heroine, I guess in my case, is ready, the helpers appear. And that is really what started to happen. And so I decided to become Catholic like a month later and uh, went through the process. And I, there's part of me that feels like I will say, even at this moment, like a little like, oh, should I be talking about my religious conversion or whatever you want to talk about it publicly? But truly, this is what I think has led to the shift of where I'm going now. And I think it was that combined with the life-changing concussion and the ADHD diagnosis that started to allow me to rebuild my life in a different foundation. So, you know, the first part for me was giving myself a life because for so many years running my businesses, I have not had a life. My life has been things around my business. I have amazing friends who are entrepreneurs, but that also makes it hard because we're all busy. Mm-hmm. And anytime I travel to like these fun locations, it was like for a conference, which is great. You can expense it, but I'm still also putting out that money and the mm-hmm. time. And all my friends were not necessarily in the city that I was in. And so part of when I had moved to Portland two years ago is I was like, I want to have a city that I can have a city and the amenities and also start to build a life. So like I can eventually get married and like have a family. Cause that was my goal. And so that's really what I started to work towards in the fall was like, I wanted a, a life that was going to support me as someone who like my mother is an amazing human. Hey, Lisa. Um, and she was a stay at home mom, but growing up, a lot of times I felt like people looked down on her when we'd go out and they'd be like, Oh, so what you do? And since she was a stay at home mom, they felt like she had nothing interesting to offer in the world. And my mom is so intelligent mm-hmm. and your career does not define who you are. Like her mission in life was to have children. And that's what she did. And she was able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think my siblings and I are pretty awesome. <laughs> and I am so grateful for that. So honestly, I really started to reflect on that. And what, what do I want? Because I mean, at this point I'm 35, I'm about to be 36 on the Sunday. By the time this podcast like releases, I will be officially 36. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's the reality, right. Of the fact that like, if I want to have kids, I really do need to get a little more serious <laughs> and seriously consider this. And also my life was in no way set up to support that. Mm -hmm. It'd be one thing I see a lot of these amazing mompreneurs that come into it because they realize they had to leave their career. Maybe they have an idea that comes out of being a mom. And so they're able to have that as kind of like their side hustle. 
while they're also raising kids in the early years or whenever it is, or, you know, it allows them the flexibility that corporate doesn't allow them. So they're able to build their business a little bit more around the life they're in yeah. where I didn't even have space to think about that. Like I barely had space to make myself a healthy dinner. And so I started realizing this in the fall and I had so much fun just focusing on like creating these healthy meals. And it was like a great creative outlet. I started going to pure bar classes. And so like all these pieces were coming together. Like I actually, for the first time in my life, probably focused on my personal life and started that as the foundation. And I've worked with coaches that are like all about lifestyle design and everything, but it was weird because, or it's interesting to reflect on this because I can say I want X, Y, and Z all I want, but then actually going out and doing it, even for a dreamer and doer in my business is a little hard in my personal life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so I started to do this. I started going through the uh, OCIA process. And I mean, I had more shifts in my life in one month than I've had in a decade in the personal development industry. And it Mm -hmm. caused so much lifelong healing. I like, I'll never be able to truly articulate it. And I mean, even now I've officially confirmed at Easter a month ago, like the, the grace yeah the graces I got were amazing and I mean now it's also interesting because I'm trying to like reconcile like I mean I was still like in my head a good Christian girl but like with Catholic principles and actually fully living them out in my life and like what is God's purpose for me and that's really what I've been exploring during this time and so you know after I took my right of acceptance in December I had an amazing uh Christmas holiday and I'd actually at the time hired an ADHD focused business coach to help me. Her vision when we talked about it was like, let's liquidate the rest of the inventory. And then like in about a year was realistic. I'd be able to like do the rebrand and kind of relaunch everything. She felt like was a realistic timeline, which Mm -hmm. I was on board with. Turns out this person wasn't unfortunately the best fit for me. And, uh, I will just leave it at that. Um, And so the first week of January, I am, I guess I won't leave it at that. I was dealing with some, the fallout from this person not being the right fit. And right before the fallout happened, it was like the, my therapy sessions were like on Tuesdays. Uh, And I remember literally like the first one of the year I'm back in Portland and I talked to my therapist and I admitted to her, I was like, I know I'm about to do like a second session or like have my second month with this coach. And I'm like, to be honest, we're like working on like what the vision of Poppy Row is. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And it was the first time that I think I truly admitted that to myself mm-hmm. because if you saw our Instagram, I at this point still have it up. I had like, I'm back in the office in December. Like I had a cute little like gossip girl reels I posted. And then I'd also posted some things about like, you know, that I was really looking at like reevaluating everything within the business and like rebuilding the foundation of everything. That was my intention. So Mm -hmm. to me to then like come back from Christmas and admit this, I just, I was like, what the heck? (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. what? And, but it was also probably the most truthful I had been with myself about my business in a while. And then I started to 
um, again, be on this like next leg of the journey, I guess, mm-hmm. and have different helpers appear for that as well. And so, I mean, things came together pretty quick. I was like, I decided to liquidate stuff. And <clears throat> what was hard for me was, okay, well, what is next? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's always the hard part. And, you know, and, and also I think that, like there doesn't, you don't have to necessarily know what is next. Like it seems exactly. like you're, you're clear about, okay, this is what I need to do now. And then, you know, let the pieces fall into place or let the transition happen. Yeah. You know, kind of what we've been talking about today. It's like, okay, you may have a plan, but the plan doesn't always go to plan and that's totally fine, you know? Right. And so, yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, and it's funny because, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. So even with the what next, people started coming into my life that started to put some pieces together for me. I started interviewing to potentially work for a a company my family owns because I was like, I want to like go back to what I wanted to. I wanted to work for my family's company <laughs> and mm-hmm. I wanted to basically be Ivanka Trump. I know that might not uh, fly with everyone, but she like worked for the family's company and then had her apparel brand, right? Like I was like, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do like so many years ago. And so I started interviewing for this thing and I didn't realize like how much my entrepreneurial background was an asset. Like I think when you're in the thick of everything, you don't realize all the things you're learning. I mean, a day as an entrepreneur can be more uh, growing than a month or a quarter or even a year working for someone else sometimes, especially if you have like a lot of the same repetitive tasks you have to do. Mm -hmm. You can grow so much as an entrepreneur and many companies want that. And so when I just connected with the head of HR, that alone, I was like, oh, I'm like such a marketing nerd. Like that's what I've loved doing in my business. That's what my background is. Like I could do this for other companies. And so I went through the interview process. They're through going through some transitions themselves. And so, you know, also in the process, I'm like in my final like weeks and months of converting to Catholicism, right? Mm-hmm. And also in this process, Last fall, I had actually done something with uh, a friend, Abby, who I've hired as my coach. Uh, She had this TikTok thing, and I come up with this idea for having a product visionary Instagram where I talk about business stuff behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And so, like, this was happening as I was like in that dark night of the soul period of Mm -hmm. everything. And it was like the light that had kind of appeared at that time. But I was like, okay, like in a little bit or maybe never, I don't know. And then when I was like, well, if I'm giving a Poppy Row, can I even do this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like moving on from Poppy Row. And the other thing that was going on for me at the time was I started to feel like, okay, if I actually tell people I'm closing down Poppy Row, will they think I failed? Did I fail? And that's a huge, yeah. I think so many people think that. So what? where did and- you land on that? I, so through therapy and through this, I guess, through some of the interview process that I'd gone through, I realized, no, this was actually a success. Like it may not have been a million dollar or even multi-million dollar empire that I would have wanted. Right. But that Mm -hmm. is actually not what I need. And that's not what I need. 
And it's not what I want necessarily going forward. That's not my goal. My goal is to be able to honestly serve God and use his gifts that he gave me in the best way possible. And part of that was um, my marketing brain, my creative and strategic thinking. And I really started to lean into that through some of these experiences I was having, exploring, possibly getting a corporate job, which in this economy is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also them looking at these things and being like, I don't know if this is the lifestyle I want to have too. Like, I still want to have freedom. I want to have children, potentially. Mm-hmm. That's what God wills it essentially at this point. Um, and there are many ways to be a mother. That's a converse, That's a whole other podcast, but Um, or a series probably of its own, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm like this, I started to realize like, this is making me realize the skills I have, but it might not necessarily be setting me up for the future I want again. So I didn't want to totally get into this. And like, so back as we, it was the week we launched the sale and I announced that I was being, I was liquidating. I did this breakthrough week with um, Abby, which I'm happy to give her information. If people want to reach out to Abby Helfer, she's an amazing coach. We also both went through inner glow circle, which I think trains the best coaches. In my opinion, if you're going to get a coach, make sure they went to IGC or look through their coaches. Um, and she had started this thing called a breakthrough week. And so I had a week of boxer access and I actually just did that again last week because it was so impactful. And so I went into that week being like, I'm kind of feeling scared that when I announce this, I am going to like, people are going to be like, oh, you poor thing. Cause I told a couple people behind the scenes that weren't good friends. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the reaction I got. And it's mm-hmm. like, fork you just cause I changed something doesn't mean it was a failure. Mm-hmm. And just because you, I, I mean, personally, I feel like it's a success that you figured out like what would better align with what you want for your life amen right like yeah and that's why I had to feel strong before I made the announcement of that and shout out to my friend Chamba he actually um he lives in my building here in Portland and he has his own uh apparel brand called energy is everything uh you guys can also send over his info so you can check out he has like he's awesome like affirmational uh apparel and I sent him the video and I was like, can you just give me your opinion on it? That, which was like my announcement video. And he's like, honestly, I think like people will want to be along for this journey with you. And so I re-recorded the video and I really was like, look, this is like, I'm celebrating us having five years and Mm -hmm. this is what's next. And, uh, basically what's next was we're liquidating it and I'll keep you updated as to like, please stay here this space will continue to evolve. And mm-hmm. thank you, Chamba, for really having me do that. Cause part of me is like, I'm closing it all down. Like that's probably my like ADHD black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think we can all get like that maybe regardless of ADHD, but that's like literally where my brain goes like yeah, way yeah. too frequently. Um, and I was like, yeah, let this evolve. Like to me, I offered it up to God essentially at that time. And I kept in prayer. I was like, please God reveal to me what I need to be doing. And the whole time I was like doing the sales stuff. I was also going through this interview process and I kept getting this poke. I will say from the Holy spirit that 
I needed to do the product visionary thing. And like I said um, before, like I just, it sets me up for the life that I want. But when I initially announced everything, I was not totally clear. That's what I was going to be focusing on. And so you're literally the first person I've talked to about Mm -hmm. this um, with this change to the product visionary. And in the process, I did start talking to friends because they're like, oh, I would love for you to help me with my Amazon marketing because that's part of like what the family company does. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't, it's a public company. So we own a portion, Mm -hmm. like a major stake in it. Um, and let me be clear, like, I did not expect any sort of nepotism or anything with that. It just got me connected with the HR director. And I was like, I'll prove myself. Mm-hmm. And that's how I roll. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and clearly I'm no schlub. Like I don't slack over here. Like I have created the stuff I've created that we've been talking about for the last almost yeah. hour. So, <laughs> you know, obviously I'm a hard worker and I often don't think I am, but I totally am. Um, and I, I want people to see me on my own merits. So I was going through that. And then I was like talking to some friends and I was like, oh yeah, I'm like going through this process. And I had a friend from church that was like, oh, I have several brands, which like now they're kind of evolving from, but they were like, maybe we can talk about you coming on and helping me me with the marketing. And then I had other friends with the Amazon stuff. And so all these pieces started to come together with the fact that like, I actually have an amazing marketing background mm-hmm. and I was trained by some of the smartest marketers, not only in school, but my grandfather was an amazing retail marketer like that, like essentially like childhood training I got with him going into the stores, being around him, going into the corporate office is nobody gets that like mm-hmm. only one that essentially got that unique training I mean, my cousins have different interests. I think I was the oldest grandchild. I was very interested in the stuff. My brain worked in that way. I think it is somewhat similar to my my poppy, I've been told. Uh, I'm not in any way comparing myself to him. We are different humans. But I do think it's like, it was like that montage in a movie where like all these different parts of your life start to come together, right? Mm-hmm. And again, the people were appearing in my hero's journey. So I then started to, I have signed like now clients that I'm working with. So I can talk, if you want, I can talk a little bit about what I am actually doing in the product visionary moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting close to time. So I don't want to go too far over if you have other things to do, but I would love to hear. Yeah. Now if you've had, now that you've had a chance to kind of see what is next Yeah. What is next for you? And yeah. Yeah. So the product visionary really has two parts of things. Ultimately, I kind of have called it the dreamer and the doer part, which goes back to that foundation of that award Mm -hmm. I got in college. And the dream part is more the coaching side of the business. So that's where like, if you have a product idea, you can come in. Cause what I was seeing is a lot of people that I have mentored over the years, want to have an apparel brand and they think they need to start everything from scratch, but not everything actually has to be started from scratch. And I'm sure you know this yourself and can attest Mm -hmm. to the fact that like, there are so many ways to create products and also based on your lifestyle design and how you really want your life, which I've Mm -hmm. definitely learned, you can create things and have them 
you can create products that fulfill the same mission maybe that you want, but uh, you don't necessarily have to create like a whole fashion line <laughs> from scratch. And so part of what I'm doing on that side is helping service-based, like already established entrepreneurs. And it's more at the coaching side where I get to help them actually vision their products. So then they can come to the do side, which is more the done for you side. And that is where um, we have some done for you packages, depending on your needs. But the one that I think I'll probably be talking a lot about in the coming months is actually quiz, the quiz done for you quiz product. And so that essentially um, we take, like I literally get to use my strategic and <laughs> creative and doer brain and help you actually implement a quiz for lead generation on your website, which over the last, I guess, eight years, I have had a quiz with Poppy Row and the Style School, and I've grown my list from a few hundred followers to nearly 20,000. Now, all of that has been just from this quiz, and I didn't even promote things or send ads, which I could have done over the years to it. Like literally when I was concussed last summer, I had people doing this quiz. Like every week we were getting leads. <laughs> And so, That's amazing. yeah, and quizzes have become a more popular thing in the last so many years. I saw people going through, um, you know, the incubator. I went through do quiz as well, especially when I talked about how successful it was for us. And so I actually had one of my really good friends of 10 years, like a couple months ago was like, Hey, um, I'm like doing this quiz. And so we're talking through it. And then I reached out to her and I was like, could I help you with this? Like, the implementation of it can feel so overwhelming. And I could tell that was what was happening. And this is what I saw over and over again as a mentor. And I've seen in this space with people and I experienced myself like actually being able to find someone that can help you if you cheat, I don't want to call it cheap out, but if it's less expensive, you often get what you pay for, right? So mm -hmm. I either would have to like I often, I'm going to just say, I feel like a lot of people don't want to work and do any work anymore. And so a lot of what I was finding in the space where like, I had to learn these skills myself, which I could pick up because I am marketing savvy or whatever. And I can figure I'm like, it works with my brain, right? Like I can work mm -hmm. in these areas. And then if I didn't understand something, I maybe had a team member or someone I could hire on and I would do that. Not everybody is able to do that. A lot of times it's very expensive to hire on team. And I've worked with both like the intern side, but then I also like have had agencies I've hired to help with marketing and different capacities that were very expensive, like thousands a month. And mm -hmm. most people that are starting a small brand in the beginning, they're not going to be able to afford that. Um, even with VC money, you have to be careful because they're not giving out checks like they used to. And it's very hard, especially as a woman to get funding. Like that was one of my original thoughts with Poppy Row is that I would get mm -hmm. funding. Um, and it's, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's hard. Um, yeah. you can go through and that's a other podcast, but <laughs> I, um, I'm really excited about this in particular because a lot of people have a hard time with lead generation. They think that all you need to do is like go on Instagram and you get a big following, but how many influencers have you seen launch a brand and they have like so many followers and they don't actually sell anything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we've seen these stories even the last couple of years alone with this. And so Part of what I'm doing in this quiz creation done for you package is I literally help you come up with a strategic quiz for your site. And then we actually like figure out what the results should be. Is it a product recommendation? Like how do we actually do 
because the quiz needs to be simple. Like that gets you the email and their contact information, maybe a text mm -hmm. uh, number. And the problem is people don't do the follow-up with it. Like you actually need some sort of strategic follow-up with it. So that will help you convert. And so mm -hmm. that's part of what I'm doing is like implementing it, like strategy to implementation with the, the quiz generation. So I've been, I essentially called it like in beta with mm -hmm. some people around this. And I think this is something that a lot of people need. It's so much better than like some downloadable that nobody's going to open. Like a quiz gives you an immediate result that mm -hmm. you can like go out and be like, oh, I'm a preppy archetype. Like, let me actually like, how many people have emailed me that because they found out they were preppy or boho just from the quiz, like it changed them going into stores and helped them be more strategic in how they were shopping. This has an amazing instantaneous, almost like clarification for people when you do a quiz, if it's done right for your brand. So many people make them way too complicated too. And so that's where I'm really coming in as like this outside person. It's kind of like, I've had people come in to help me organize my closet. And that's what I used to do for other people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, sometimes it's great to have someone else come in and help you actually do it and implement it. And then the stress is not on you. And lead generation is one of the most important things you need for your business because yes, you can have repeat customers and you should have a strategy with that, which I'm sure maybe that will evolve into some offering we eventually have as well with content development. Um, Cause I have done that over the years freelance and love doing that. But um, the big thing that we'll be talking, I'll definitely be talking about in the coming months, I think will be the quiz stuff. I am actually hosting a quiz workshop in June, so I can give you the link for that as well. Yeah. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And so, you know, it'll be a really small cost. I'm also, because of the press I've gotten, I'll be doing, and this is, I kind of call it on that dreamer side where it's like more coaching programmy oriented. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also going to be doing a PR class in July. And so I'll be talking about how I actually got that press that got over a billion page views. Mm -hmm. um, and what I did, because I did hire a PR firm, but I actually like, I've hired two PR firms. And so I'll talk about that more in all of that. But um, a lot of people don't realize it doesn't have to be so complicated. And so part of what I want people to do is like, be able to like, be those visionaries in their brand and we have the side where I'll help you actually implement it and get it done and mm -hmm. also not be at such like a crazy agency level where it's like unsustainable for small brands. Like that is my vision for the product visionary. And so that's why I do want to have like a, like these workshops, like there will be a small paid amount for it, but you'll get actual things. I'm not like trying to sell you into some larger end course. And if you want to coach with me, you can come reach out to me after or do a strategy call, but like I really just want people to get like to share the knowledge I have as well and what I've been seeing in the industry and what has been successful and what will continue to be successful for everyone. So, um, I mean, I think eventually I might have some my, of my own products in our store, like physical products, but I think they'll probably be more made on demand. I do have, I have shifted from like the basement of my grandmother's house to like, I had a fulfillment facility I work with and they still have our inventory that we've like, like we were liquidating down. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I did shift it to like be able to move to Portland and not have to like have everything in my apartment, <laughs> mm -hmm. be able to travel. Um, but I, I do see ultimately maybe having some like journal products and kind of, uh, some, I call them like more affirmational 
product Mm -hmm. that can really help support you and inspire you maybe on a day-to-day basis too. So that's like the big, big dream maybe (laughs) of all that besides my TV show. Um, (laughs) I will be relaunching my YouTube in August, which is actually the 10 year anniversary of me starting my Exo Crystal Cape blog. And at the same time, we'll be launching the product product visionary podcast. So maybe we'll have to have you on that and we'll chat further. Um, (laughs) But yeah, those are, those are some of the things I'm doing. Like I, it may be several things. I am trying to keep it simple ultimately. So that's why really like at first I'm focusing on, um, you know, the quiz stuff and doing just like a once a month workshop. And um, I do have like strategy sessions that are available. Um, And right now they're very cheap compared to what I should be (laughs) charging probably and will eventually charge. So if you want in, like, come on over, I'll give, I'll give a link (laughs) that you can check that out as well. I'm only taking on a few people the next few months just for like some strategy calls. So if you like want to just, I mean, essentially pick my brain (laughs) and have Mm -hmm. me help you come up with a strategy for products. For me, I see these being able to evolve in many ways and kind of customize your experience, whether it's like you do want to create a brand or you are a service provider and you have an idea and want to figure out how to like create multiple income streams with having some additional products. Um, I think what was great for me in Poppy Row is that I had this background as a stylist and a marketer, obviously too, but as a stylist, I was able to go into the press and leverage my service expertise and then get press for Poppy Row at the end of the day as well. And mm-hmm. then it kind of like went both ways with everything. So that's why I'm also really excited that like the people that I'm starting to work with actually are established entrepreneurs that are service providers or have some sort of business already. So that's that's been really fun because I'm like, oh, these are my people I hang out with all the time. So it's like a lot of the people have been friends. Like it has not been as hard as I thought it was going to be to sign clients. So I'm grateful for that. And maybe this is, you know, exactly what was meant to be, right? Like, this is the journey I was, like, this is the journey I'm supposed to be on now when it actually feels easy. Um, Mm -hmm. And they always say, like, what, like, my priest will say when he was discerning the priesthood, he knew he was, like, dating this, like, beautiful Italian woman at the time or something, I think is what he's talked about on his uh, Living the Faith series. And it was so interesting because he like thought he might marry this person. And then when he actually thought about it, he didn't feel peace in his soul. And I feel so much peace in my soul right now. So I really just like, you know, maybe we can almost end it too. It's like, if you're not feeling a peace in your soul, maybe there's something that's not quite working for you. And so be brave enough to admit to your therapist or a trusted friend, like what your struggles actually are, because I think so much we're like, it's so great. Everything is fine. Like mm-hmm. I think it's a good place, right? Like everything is fine. You're not dead. You're in the good place and <laughs> don't feel in a good place, right? So I really want people to be able to, and especially women, so much. I feel very passionate about this, you know, as a woman myself, obviously, to really have people, women be able to have the freedom they need so we can create the lives we want. Because to me, that is like the ultimate, you know, female, like, feminism. That's the reason for the feminist movement, in my opinion, is for us to have freedom and we should choose the journey we want in it. And a business can totally support that. And it doesn't always have to be a billion dollar empire. It's just something that needs to provide you with peace. 
I love that. And I'm so excited for you that you found what um, brings you peace and is aligned with the life that you want to live day to day. And, you know, even your, your vision for the future, for your personal life and how you found, um, you know, things to do business-wise to use your talents in a way that brings you, you know, brings you towards that that yes. future that you want. So I'm, I'm so excited for you and excited to see um, where you'll go ahead towards that. Um, so the last question I'm going to ask that I ask everyone at the end of the interview is if you could communi- communicate one value to the world, to the work that you do, what would it be? Oh, and it's funny because I feel like this, I would have known the answer before, like so innately, <laughs> but I mean, I think it's just like, I want people to be able to do what brings them joy and Mm -hmm. find that peace. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's my not so perfect answer. (laughs) That's like, no, that's great. So yeah. Wonderful. Um, Crystal, where can people follow and find out more about you and the product visionary and kind of your next chapter of your career? Yeah. So if you're on Instagram, you can go to the product visionary. I'm also going to be on TikTok. So you can find product visionary there. Be one of our first, you know, hundred followers, please. Um, And then also you can go on YouTube uh, to Crystal Cave TV. That's where we'll be launching everything this summer. And uh, also I'll give you our, our link to the workshop uh, that I, I talked about, which should be through the productvisionary.com. So those are the places you can go to find me. And yeah, if I would love, like if things resonate with you, like please reach out on Instagram. Like I don't have a team managing this. I do have an intern this summer, but um, I, I will be responding to DMs and everything. So I will happily uh I would love to hear like if anything resonated with with you as well and obviously like in the comments of this episode as well I'd love to hear what resonates with people because I think to me I know I'm not alone in this but sometimes Mm -hmm. it has felt very much alone and in in the sense that like I don't I've seen a lot of people like close their businesses and it kind of feels like shameful Mm -hmm. so I hear the the video announcement you had felt very celebratory and I love that so yeah thank you and I mean it's appropriate because this is my birthday season too now so Mm -hmm. I'm just continuing to celebrate and that's kind of um when this podcast drops I'll have just finished up kind of it's I was kind of considering it my birthday novella uh novena uh which is like a nine-day prayer (laughs) Um, transitioning into the product visionary. So I really have seen everything as like a prayerful celebration, honestly, with, with this. So I hope everyone will continue to uh, feel that way with what I'm doing. So thank you for that reflection too. I'm glad it did feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for um, coming on the podcast again and really being um, like sharing your story, even even the messy or the vulnerable parts. I know that that kind of honesty is sometimes hard to do. So thank you for being brave and um, right. for really kind of sharing a different perspective and a more like hopeful celebratory look at 
um, transitions that, like you said, a lot of people see as a negative or a shameful thing, but it, it really isn't. So thank you for sharing your insight on that. And yeah, I'm sure there are other business owners that will, will be able to relate as well. So yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be the first person I've talked to about oh, yeah. after, like in a public way that wasn't just my Instagram or emails or whatever. So truly like, I appreciate the space and thank you if you've listened this far too, because this is probably going to be one of your longer podcasts of just like the real yeah. of transitioning out of an apparel brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. Um, have a great rest of your afternoon, Crystal, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. Yes. Thank you. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at alisonhainis.com newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-E-N-E-S dot com slash newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.